Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great in this month of August. And so today's episode is the home stretch we've all been waiting for has arrived. And what do I mean by that? Well, first, this bipartisan infrastructure bill passed the Senate. Uh, it's a huge win for the Democrats and particularly for Biden, who really stuck his neck out there and said he could get some bipartisan big stuff done, and he did. Now, uh, I want to be clear here, this has not passed the House yet and been signed by the president, and we'll get to that in a moment, but it's pretty much all, you know, it's, it's dot the I's, cross the T's that this will become law in the next couple months. And again, a huge win. It's a pretty decent bill. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it, but it should be viewed as a down payment. And that is how the Democrats are viewing it. And again, I'll get to that in a second. But first, I want to talk about, you know, the 19 Republicans who voted for it. Uh, I give them, you know, the, the minimum basic credit that they did not let their fascism and toxic partisanship um, stop them from supporting something that was good for the country and good for Biden and good for the Democrats. So, you know, in a time when the, the Republican Party is doing everything it can to scrape the bottom of the barrel, when they do something even semi-reasonable, you know, you got to give them credit. But I want to be clear here, don't give these 19 Republicans too much credit because this bill was going to happen with or without them. Remember, if, the, if they didn't go along with this, the Democrats would have thrown that into the reconciliation bill and they would have gotten no credit whatsoever. So they did this because they knew this ship had sailed. And this goes to show, this is a really important lesson here, but this goes to show that when Democrats take legislating seriously and are willing to use all the tools of power at their disposal, and the reconciliation process was at their disposal, and they've been talking about reforming the filibuster, that's what got Moscow Mitch to vote yes on this, right? And this is what got most of the Republicans in line here. If they had been soft on reconciliation, they had been soft on, oh, the filibuster's great, we never even want to think about getting rid of it, the Republicans would have never come along. But when they were you know, flexing their muscle, exercising their power, this is the only language, power is the only language the Republicans understand, period, end of story. And so if you're not exercising power, you're losing. But the Biden you know, team and the Democrats are exercising their power, and therefore they are winning. This is not rocket science, by the way. This really is politics 101, but it's not something Democrats have practiced much over these past few decades. You know, and we could do a whole, you know, PhD dissertation on why the Democrats have been so feckless um, for so long. But they're not being that way anymore. This is the real deal now, which is the second part of this infrastructure package, which is the reconciliation part 
that is only going to be passed with Repub- I'm sorry, Democratic votes. This is the one with a much higher price tag, $3.5 trillion relative to the less than $1 trillion in the bipartisan bill. But if you put those two together, again, we're talking over $4 trillion of new investment over the next decade, which is essentially in line with Biden's um, proposals that he put out in the spring. And think about that for a second. It is rare that you put out these aspirational plans with big price tags and get what you ask for. Right, that's a starting point. You always go down. If the Democrats pass all this stuff in the next couple months, Biden will have basically gotten virtually everything he wanted, which is just a stunning victory. So this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity for Democrats to do all the progressive things they've wanted to do for a long time, but have been frustrated and unable to do. Now, for this reason, all the interest groups are fiercely lobbying Congress right now to make sure their issues get in. And, you know, my coalition working on ocean climate stuff, we're doing the same thing, and we've been hitting the pavement for months. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the democratic process. And luckily, because we have $3.5 trillion over 10 years, that's a lot of room for most people's items to get in there. And what I love just as much about the fact that the Democrats are really going for broke on all these big you know, social welfare and climate policies is the revenue side, right? They're going to pay for this bill. This is not deficit spending. They're not doing what the Republicans have done the last 20 years, which is trillions of dollars of tax cuts for the rich with no offsetting you know, pay-fors, trillions of dollars on senseless, senseless, pointless wars, right? The Republicans since 2001 have sent somewhere in the range of six to ten trillion dollars and we have nothing to show for it except income inequality and census war and carnage right so they've been spending money on the credit card the democrats are going to be the adults in the room and pay for this and the revenue side is just as fascinating because they're going to make sure that the rich and corporations pay for these in social and climate investments Uh, elizabeth warren has a great idea she wants a minimum corporate tax rate And it's very smart the way she's framing this, which is corporations often have these big shareholder announcements, which they say how much money they made to boost their stock price. But then when it comes down to actually paying corporate tax, they use so many loopholes that they end up not paying anything. So they brag about all the profit they made, and then they use these loopholes to get out of paying any tax on it. So she's saying flat 7% on anything you... um, you report to your shareholders. If you, you know, if, if, if you don't have the loopholes and you have to pay more than seven, great. But if you have all the loopholes that are making you like Amazon and, you know, and Apple and Tesla to pay close to zero, she's going to do a minimum 7% on what you stated was your profit to your shareholders. Great, great um, idea. So if these two bills pass and the reconciliation is really the main course, this $3.5 trillion, the Democrats will be able to truthfully state, and I say truthfully, they don't have to lie, they don't have to exaggerate, they can just state the facts that they not only delivered on their progressive agenda for the American people, but they didn't raise the national debt, they taxed the wealthy, and they didn't increase taxes on the middle class. And like I've said before, if you can't win with that message, you can't win with anything, right? So from my vantage point, This bill, this reconciliation bill that is being crafted in the next couple months, 
is going to be, you know, the most consequential bill we'll probably ever see in our lifetime. And that's whether you're 25 or 55. This is the once in a, you know, a century really um, type of investments that we need. Now, from my vantage point, the part of this bill that's going to be the most important is the climate change stuff. So I love the universal pre-gay. I love the paid family leave. I love the Medicare expansion. But the most important stuff is the climate stuff. And so I'll get to more of that after the break. Okay, so on the climate front, let's start with the bad news, right? So the recent IPCC report just came out, and it is devastating, right? It is unequivocal that we are in for a real rough ride in the coming years and decades. And if you don't want to believe the IPCC, just open your eyes and look around you, right? We're again in record fires across the United States, across Europe, other parts of the world, Brutal heat waves, record heat in places that typically do not get, you know, into the triple digits. We got drought. We have crazy ecosystem die-off. I mean, think about this. So in the Pacific Northwest, over the last few weeks, month, this record heat wave is estimated to have killed a billion sea animals, right? These are mostly, you know, you kind of mussels and crabs and things in their shells that were literally boiling alive in the ocean. Think about the cascading effects on the food chain, on the food web, all the things that you know survive on those animals, right? This is the type of stuff, it's, it's bad science fiction stuff, and yet it barely registered. I bet you most of you even haven't even heard of it because there's so much craziness in the news that a massive die-off of a billion marine animals in the Pacific Northwest barely registers, right? But that's where we are. And because we have failed so miserably these past few decades to rein in greenhouse gas emissions, the rest of this century, the rest of the 21st century, is going to be rough. I am not a climate scientist, but I know enough. I work with these people. I read the reports. I speak to them that we're about to enter very dangerous territory. We're about to see serious negative feedback loops and exponential nonlinear changes in our environment that are going to be terrifying and destabilizing, right? This is why action now is a must. So that's the bad news. The bad news is we're in for some rough road ahead. But the good news, all of the Democrats, from Pelosi to Schumer to Biden to Bernie and AOC, all agree that the reconciliation package is where to put the big climate change investments. And just to think, you know, just take a moment to think and appreciate the unity across the entire Democratic coalition, right? This Remember, this is a fragile coalition with no room for error. It has, you know, people that are pretty conservative, your Joe Manchins. It has your kind of centrists, your Bidens and kind of old school centrists. 
and then your Democratic Socialist, Bernie and AOC. And yet everybody is on the same page, speaking unity, speaking in unison, keeping a consistent message. They understand the magnitude of this moment and to see the Democratic coalition with no margin for error being so lockstep tight is just a thing of beauty. Now, of course, the media loves the Democrats in disarray story, right? You can't, you, they can't get enough of this bullshit, right? That the Democrats are the ones in disarray. No, the reality is the Democrats have a big tent coalition. We have a big tent. We're not a monolithic group of, you know, of white supremacists and fascists and plutocrats. So we have a big tent and we have a lot of interest. And so that means there's a lot of jockeying and a lot of discussion and sometimes it's heated. But I mean, you know, this unity is, is just incredible. And I would say to expect more of this, um, you know, in the coming months because it's going to be so crucial to get this bill over the finish line in this home stretch. So what are the climate related elements of this bill that we need? We definitely need some clean energy standard. And what this is, is you know, saying that the, the electricity grid needs to be X percentage renewable, non-carbon polluting, non-greenhouse gas emitting you know, by a certain date. It looks like they're aiming for 80% by 2030 and then you know, even 100% by 2035 or 2040. This is outstanding. Now, because the reconciliation bill does not allow you to do straight legislation, but only things that have budgetary impacts, it's this weird quirk of our dysfunctional uh, Senate, they're going to use financial incentives. So instead of mandating that a utility has 80% clean energy by 2030, they'll say, if you don't, you're going to get charged a lot of penalties. And if you do, you'll get incentives. And so that's the way this can be built into a budget mechanism and actually work. We're also going to need major um, EV charging investments. This is going to be, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of EV chargers around the country. We need major R&D for batteries and battery storage technology because a lot, a lot of the kind of electrifying everything is going to make sure, you know, that batteries can be the backup when power goes down. And uh, this is going to be a really big deal as we get off of kind of coal and natural gas, etc., we're going to need tax credits for wind and solar in there to really just make these go through the roof, even though they're economic. We just want to do everything we can to incentivize them. Of course, we're going to need lots of money for environmental justice issues, right? Cleaning up toxins in, in communities and making sure that communities of color that have been disadvantaged get the benefits of the new green jobs, the new solar, the new wind, the charging stations. So a lot of this is going to be with a social justice lens. And then the final thing, which is part of this, is money for habitat restoration and this civilian um, climate core. And this is going to be, you know, young people right out of school to go do climate projects. A lot of this will be restoration projects on coastal wetlands and marshlands and dunes and river systems. And this will have a, a benefit of both helping us adapt to climate change, but also they will have some carbon sequestration potential. So these are, in my view, the key things to look for for a strong and ambitious climate um, component of this reconciliation bill. If we can get all of these things in there, we will finally have some hope that we can turn things around so that humanity and also the non-human animals who we share this planet um, with have a fighting chance 
um, you know, towards the end of this century to not go extinct and be in chaos. And just some personal note here, I'm about to have a kid and bringing her into this world troubles me in many ways because of, you know, how dire things are. But I at least want to have the hope that while much of her life might be watching this climate catastrophe accelerate, that she'll see the transformations happening that are going to be the prerequisites for this much healthier world. So the way I, I see it is, yes, we are all in, including all the new people we bring into this world, in for some trying times. But if we can do this reconciliation bill, you know, go to you know the next um, meetings of the Paris Agreement, show that we've stepped up, get others to step up, and have this virtuous cycle, we can at least have some, you know, some hope that this transformation is underway. So this is the real deal, folks. This is game on. And um, I'm going to come back with how you can contribute in the antidote after the break. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that Only shooting stars break the Okay, so for the antidote, it's going to be very, very simple. I don't ask you to do too much direct action stuff very often, but this is it. This is the time. We're literally down to weeks, maybe a couple months, in which all this jockeying to get the good stuff in this reconciliation bill is going to happen. So I want to ask you to call your two senators and your congressman or woman. So that's three phone calls for each of you. You can do this, right? Three phone calls, each of your senators and your congressional representative. And I want you to tell them that this reconciliation bill that they are working on, you want to see huge investments in clean energy and climate smart policies across the board, that this is a climate emergency and that we must act. You want huge investments, clean energy and climate smart policies. You want to pay for this with tax increases on the wealthy corporations, and the billionaire class. You don't want to see anybody except the rich and corporations paying for these public goods. And also, throw in there that you want these key social programs. You want the universal pre-K. You want the community college. You want the paid family and sick leave. If there's other you know, social welfare programs that you think are really important, housing assistance, you know, expanding Obamacare, throw that in there too. Tell them what you want. But the, the real key ones are these climate investments and, of course, paying for it by taxing the rich so we can reduce income inequality at the same time. So with that, everybody, um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it, share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also check the, um, the Zombie Dispatch website. It's just zombiedispatch.org. And uh, with that, everybody, let's do this. Really, step up. You know, do it right now. Make those three phone calls to your two senators and your congressional representative. And so with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Take care. Stay healthy.